if you don't shut the fuck up, I'll blow your head off right now. This is Ted Bundy doing this. And you know what she does? What? She says, fuck you, I'm going to die anyway. And she starts beating the shit out of Good old Bundy, her. man. She just beats Damn. the shit out of Bundy. Ted Bundy Part 2. You know what I have been thinking about these past few days? What? Why didn't Ted Bundy shave his unibrow? Did did he, though, later? Did he I, shave his unibrow, or was he in all of the photos? I don't think unibrows it? were a bad thing back then. Yeah, they were. Mm, I think they've always been a bad thing. So, recap. What happened last week? Um, well, we learned that we were going to be covering one of the most prolific serial killers, Ted Bundy. Um, we learned about... His ploy with the sling. Yeah, we learned about how that Anne Rule, and you're reading her book, The Stranger Beside Me, worked with Ted Bundy at a suicide hotline. And we learned that his mother was possibly impregnated by her own father, and he was the byproduct of that. And he was raised, he thought it was his sister the whole time. And when he was 14... It was when he was told that his sister was actually his mom. Mm. And that was a turning point for him. So we also learned about how um, Ted Bundy was just kind of like the average looking guy. I mean, he was a good looking guy, but he was it made it very hard for him to be pinpointed. And because he was like a well-educated guy, he was a psychology. He had a psychology degree. He was in college, in college, excuse me. He was it made it that much harder for him to be detected and was going around college campuses. Yeah. And there was a whole media sensation. Who is Ted? Because he literally said to like people like, hi, I'm Ted. <laughs> hi, I'm Ted. Which reminds me again, I'll bring it up again. Cause I do it every time pretty much, but like the Jimmy Neutron monkey. Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> no one else. No, no, I can't remember the character's name, but 51st States, how, mm. like, he had a 15-second memory, and he'd be like, hi, um, what's his, whatever yeah. his name is. Who's ready to talk about head buns, laws? I think we all are. We're super excited to talk about mm-hmm. him. Not uh, because we are idolizing him, but because it is an but, interesting story and popular in the news. It's It's fascinating, not just the case, not just his case, but also... The counterculture, not all, like the, not me- also, like the media phenomenon that surrounded him. Yeah. Okay. Let me redo that. I think it's fascinating, not just his case, but the the fact that there was this whole sensation about Ted Bundy. And I know we've spoken before about you know people writing to Chris Watts, Chris Watts, and and being fan fan girls essentially. I and mean, we even watched that movie about the Manson. Remember that Manson family yeah. vacation? Yeah, How like yeah. that he literally had. All of uh, a, a huge following, and I, I think I just think that in itself is is a part of subculture. That's what I, the word I was looking for. Mm. The subculture that that surrounds Ted Bundy's case, especially, is is, uh, is fascinating. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself part of that subculture, but it's it's mind boggling to see. Tell about like, the groupies. Yeah, like people or, are like rooting for or him. Or just how you know? like Ted Bundy could be on a t-shirt and people would think that's interesting. Yeah. You know? Like it's very controversial. 
that we are. Like he's a he's a he's not a rock star. He's no, a serial he, killer, and he's yeah. a, his face might be on a shirt. His face is on that calendar that I got you. You know, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'm perpetuating this. So welcome back, Jen. Thanks. Welcome back, Nicole. Thank you. Today we're going to be. Ta- I can't with your hair right now. What's with my hair? <laughs> Just look at it. Can I please? It looks All like right, you stuck a, a finger in the it. socket. I'm like that guy from Ancient Aliens. Yeah, pretty much. Insta, Insta that post. <laughs> the eyes. So Ted Bundy started off in Washington. Yep. So we talked about Lake Sammamish. That was a big thing mm-hmm. we talked about. Mm-hmm. We talked about all some colleges. his ruses. Yeah, and then his obsession with college. You know his his girlfriend that broke up with him, Stephanie Brooks. Yeah. Now Anne Rule in her book. Actually, I can't really quote it because I, I can't remember where the exact passage is. But she said something to the effect of how many times does he have to kill his ex-girlfriend mm. in mm. order to, you know, satisfy his urges? Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think so, there's that ever. A, there is no number. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he's not killing his actual ex-girlfriend, but all of did. his girlfriends. No, he never did. Yeah. All of his girlfriends or excuse me. All of his victims, they share some remarkable feature with the girl that broke his heart. Mm. And Ted's kind of a, yeah, he's a ladies man. But I think it's more than that. I think Ted needs that female. He he almost needs to be mothered. Well, that would make sense, yeah. knowing what we know about him and his yeah. upbringing. Because even through his prison sentences, which you're about to see... He had multiple girlfriends while being incarcerated. Like actual girlfriends. Actual girlfriends. And they all they all believed in his innocence. And a lot of times in the book, the medium or his medium would be Anne Rule because he trusted Anne Rule and she was moderator kind of thing. Yeah, moderator. So he would be like, Anne, can you please give this note to my girlfriend, Meg? But don't let Stephanie Oh, my God. Yeah, so, and Anne Rule was in the middle of this. Why would she do that? I don't think they, I don't think Anne Rule ever hooked up with Ted Bunny. Anne Rule, she was a crime writer. She has four kids of her own. And this was a story of a lifetime. So but you think she, she did, did it to get closer to him? She said so, to write the no, book, maybe? No, And if you, once you read the book, you'll really start to see she was in that, triangle of ted that emotional triangle does that make sense like ted needed support in prison female support female empathy female you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and ann rule provided a large part of that hmm. there a lot of letters came back and forth between ted bundy and ann rule hmm. interesting now, i don't think they ever you know hooked up they may have but, I mean, she was like 10 years his elder, senior, 10 years his senior, and she had four kids, and she was struggling at the time. It know. doesn't seem likely since she turned him in. Yeah. In a way. So did his girlfriend turn him in. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. His girlfriend actually turned him in. And it, the book goes like this. Even Ann Rule, let's give Ann Rule example. She turned him in, and then she feels bad about it because she's like, uh, 
he's probably not even the one. And and then he, she goes through this whole dilemma in her own mind of, oh my God, like he's going to think I, he's going to know that I turned him in and this isn't good. And I need to show him that I'm there for him. Hmm. She is in this triangle. It may not be a love sexual triangle, but it's some emotional triangle. Yeah. That he is got. It's like a spider web. That song by No Doubt. You got me in your spider web. Yeah. 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 They are Sorry, in. I'm not home there right now. I'm caught up in yeah. this spider web. And leave a message and I'll call you back. Unlike they stop me, but that's how it plays on BJ's radio. Does it? Every day. I do love that song. Let me some no doubt. Also, but I'm just a girl. Also, my favorite no doubt song. Don't, Don't speak. I know just what, what you're saying. So please stop explaining. Don't tell me because it hurts. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That I was a little out of tune there. Love it. Oh, that's my favorite no doubt song. Same. Mm. Okay, and so so in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the direction of Ted's life and we're going to be getting into more of the crimes and then on the final part three we're going to be talking about the decline and fall of Mr. Ted Bundy cool so this one's going to be the more gruesome one. Oh, good yeah but anyway let's get going with it the last episode we talked about what happened in Lake Sammamish in mm-hmm. July. You guys saw the video is still up there for Taco Supremos. I added it. In the fall of that same year, he decides to move to law school mm-hmm. in Utah. Right. So okay. he's going a couple states down. Yep. Diagonally. Yes. His advisor and his mentor actually told him, like, that's I don't think that's the best idea. But at this point, Ted's. He has a degree in psychology, and he basically had this huge campaign, government campaign. Mm-hmm. You know the one that we saw. Yeah, the, the one that we saw. One. Okay, but then that fizzled out. That guy didn't get reelected, and then he's basically unemployed. Un- unemployed. He's not unemployed. He's he takes a lot of odd jobs. Like he was security guard at one point. He worked for a medical supply company at one point. He did the crisis line, but. He's he's finding himself not going in a direction he wants to go because the whole time, like I said, Ted wants to impress, not impress everyone. Ted wants people to think he is something he's not. Does it seem like part of the reason that he moved was because the disappearances and the killings in the college areas were starting to heat up? Like, was he worried about getting caught and that's why he moved? That's definitely a, a good possibility i don't I, I know if I, that, that and to get away from his girlfriend at the time mm. because he wanted space now his girlfriend at the time liz she has a child so and they're real close to ted like they all get pizza together and stuff so you'll mm. see a lot of that in the i think the zach efron movie's based on that on relationship, that relationship. Mm. he goes into the fall the utah law school and Ann Rule says in her book, yeah, he's going to go and kind of make a new name for himself. I'm I'm going. I'm starting straight. They didn't catch me. All the crimes I did. And let's try. Let's see what I can yeah, get away with. Let's in see what state. I can get away. Well, yeah, because it didn't really take him that long. And I can r- run down the names. Uh, Nancy Wilcox was abducted April 2nd, 1974. Melissa Smith, October 18th, 1974. 
Laura Amy, October 31st, Halloween. Okay, these are, this is like right when he moves into Utah. Wait, you said 84? No, 74. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, Washington just went through a rampage. How many estimated murders in Washington at that time? I mean, there might be like a confirmed and an unconfirmed number. It's like, uh, I think it was like 10. I don't know. It's a lot. And if like, if that was going around and... And then it stopped. Such a short time frame. Like, think about if, if like, if we were in school... And in your state, there were, ten, you know, 10 murders in neighboring colleges. It would be bad. Yeah, like the, we probably would be on lockdown. Yeah. So that's a lot. Oh, yeah. But he was just so unassuming. Yeah, He was no the one, guy you didn't expect. He's Ted. Yeah. Basically, his M.O. for abducting women is hit him over the head with a crowbar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, literally. Right, yeah. That was what he did. Yeah, Knock him out, because he learned not, not yeah. to leave the body somewhere. Exactly. Right? So the first one, remember, um, Joni Lenz. Yes. You read that. Yes. Yeah, so he left the body there, and of course, he checks the papers. Yeah. She's alive. You know, she survived that. Right. So, ever since then, he's taken the bodies with him. Mm-hmm. And he would literally go into the campus and just bring someone out. And people will be walking down the street like it's nothing. And he'll just throw them in the trunk like he he was so brazen that people would never think someone was getting abducted. Probably, yeah. they, they probably just thought like he was a gentleman carrying a woman or, home yeah. or like or like they were just fooling around or something. Like you said, Nicole, he's killing a lot of people. He killed a lot of people in Washington. So he decides to move different places. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the places he likes to go just when he wasn't killing people was Aspen, Colorado. I mean, mm, that's, ah, where you, okay. that's where you ski. Right. You know, he's been up there plenty of times before. He goes up there and that is when he meets Karen Campbell. Mm-hmm. Now. Let me like get, the soup. Yes. Yeah. You know what's weird about the name Campbell? Hmm. Campbell. Hmm. But you don't hear the P. Campbell. Why not just C-A-M-B-E-L-L? Or why not C-A-M-P-E-L-L? Campbell. Let's talk about Karen Campbell. Cam- Campbell, sorry. Camp- Campbell. Fork. We did that. <laughs> what is it, Campbell? Campbell. Campbell. Karen Campbell. Now, she's in Aspen, Colorado. She's a registered nurse. This is January 1975. Ted Bundy, you know, he's in Washington. Well, now he's in the school of Utah. Utah Law School. So he goes from Utah... All the way up to Colorado. Well, it's a state over. So that does make sense. Yeah. Ted Bundy's in Utah. And Karen Campbell is vacationing in Colorado. Right. Because of the the mountains. That's January 1975. Mm -hmm. So he goes to law school in the fall of 1974. And then all these other girls start disappearing. Nancy Wilcox, Melissa Smith, Lori Amy. All in the Utah area. In the Utah area. Mm-hmm. So here's what's going on. Now, Ted Bundy had blown it out in Washington. Everyone's looking for Ted, Ted, Ted. We don't have the internet, so you can't really... I mean, if that happened today, we it would be easy. Right. Right. You, you know. would connect those dots immediately. Yeah, but the police, police precincts and detective agencies, they don't really talk. So he moves down to Utah to go to law school. Because that's where he wants to change directions in life. Then he starts killing all these other women. They're just gone, the majority of them, until the bones are found, which we're going to talk about Ted's graveyard in a little bit, (gasps) where he stores all these people, all these victims, I should say. 
So if you go one state over to the right Mm -hmm. in the U.S., you have Colorado. And that's where Karen Campbell had vacation that January. So just, what, two months after? So he's on a pretty steady roll. You know, we do Taco Tuesdays here. Every episode we put out Taco. He's doing about... Every episode we put out Taco. uh, (laughs) Every episode we put out on Taco Tuesday. He's every one and a half, two weeks of killing people. And a lot of these are not... Because I can't see He's Ted Bundy mm-hmm. just waiting. Oh, Nancy Wilcox, he killed October 2nd. I can't see him waiting till October 18th to kill again. I'm thinking he's going out every night. Yeah. That's why a lot of people think there's there's hundreds. Especially if he's a sexual psychopath. And he, yeah. And we were talking but about were that. there that many people that were dead or missing? Like, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Like there's the- a lot of people that are missing. He kind of skirted a lot of... C- the confessions, which we'll talk about. Mm. So it could have been, it really could have been like hundreds of people. Yeah. But he wasn't the type that, to brag about it. Mm. He thought he was going to be an innocent man, like almost up until the day he died. Like he didn't want to admit anything. Because he was so charming. He thought he could talk his way out of it. Yeah, right? exactly. So that'd be the next part. We're going to talk all about his charm. All right. So Ted Bundy's in Utah. He's going to law school. He goes down to Colorado because he wants to ski there. That's where Karen Campbell was vacationing in January 1975. Now, she is a registered nurse. She is engaged to a Dr. Raymond Godowski of Farmington, Michigan. Now, he's he's a little older than her, but everyone knows that they make a great pair. Mm-hmm. The group It's a big group. It's a symposium, medical symposium. Probably 200 people there, cardiologists. Doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, all kinds of ologists, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Now, the group checked into the very plush Wildwood Inn on January 11th, 1975. Mm. And guess who's right around the corner? Oh, Ted. Mm-hmm. Oh, snooping Ted. <laughs> 23 years old. Karen was nine years younger than her fiance, uh, Dr. Raymond Godowski. But they were a match made in heaven. Now, she wanted to be married very soon, but they they had argued about that because, you know, the age difference and stuff like that. So Campbell was suffering that night because she had a slight case of the flu. I mean, it's January. It's like flu season. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that bad, but she didn't want to go out and eat with everyone. She kind of just wanted to stay in the room. Don't blame her. She's contagious, possibly. Yeah. On January 12th, they were at dinner with friends and Karen ordered beef stew. The others had cocktails and Karen feeling quite queasy didn't drink anything but milk so she wasn't drunk okay yeah i would not be drinking milk if i'm no no that would make me puke yeah yeah when i was in eighth grade when i we had my graduation dinner at texas roadhouse and they got me this cake my parents got me a cake and it was so good it was like from this local bakery and it had buttercream frosting it was chocolate cake it was delicious and i ordered milk to go with my cake because it was dessert yeah and they brought me whole milk and I, like, drank the milk, and then I, I, like, had to run to the bathroom. I literally threw up my entire, all my cake. I was so sad. (laughs) So, like, don't drink milk when you're queasy, I guess is the point of that story. How many times, Ted, do you have to kill your ex-girlfriend before you're satisfied? That was a powerful quote when I read that. Because it's like. It's true. Yeah. She does look like the ex-girlfriend. Yeah, she does. After dinner. Karen, her soon-to-be husband, and the youngsters, they all go upstairs. They pick up the paper, remembering that Karen left her magazine 
in their room, headed toward the elevator to get it. They're in the cozy lounge and the, the whole family's in the lounge of this inn. The dad picks up a newspaper, starts reading, and then Karen's like, dang it, I left my People magazine up there with Justin Bieber. I wanted to, you know, or whatever. I left my Zac Efron, oh, uh, stupid. Damn it, I left my magazine up in the room. I'm just going to run up real quick and get it. She's like, can I get the key? Okay. I mean, it's literally right upstairs. Yeah. I'll be back in five minutes. Wouldn't think anything of it. Yeah. Yeah. Five minutes. So she takes the key and she goes. And the room, 210, so it's literally one story above, should have returned to the lounge within 10 minutes, probably way before that. She got off the elevator at the second floor. So second floor. So her room is 10 doors down. Mm -hmm. When she got off the elevator. Or five if there's two sides of the hallway. She got off the yellow. I'm thinking like it's in the out. I don't know. I'm thinking the outdoor kind of. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So she got off the second floor and she spoke with several other physicians who were just because there was a lot of physicians there mingling. Oh, hey, how you guys doing? A networking event. Yeah. Yeah. You guys having fun? Yeah. I'm just going to go to my room right quick. She talked to those people. They watched her as she walked away down the hall towards her room. That was it. Shit. Was he in the room? Ten minutes later, Karen still hadn't came back. Now, Godowski, his, her fiancé, is getting a little worried, but it's like, what is she doing? She may be using the bathroom, maybe taking a shower. She did have the flu. Mm-hmm. She may have fell asleep. She may asleep. have just, yeah, gone to bed and been yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> but it is kind of concerning. Okay, if she has a flu, maybe it got worse. Yeah. And she's up there puking her brains out, and I need to hold her hair because I'm a good boyfriend. And you hold the hair of your girlfriend. You would never do that. If your girlfriend is puking in the toilet, you You've hold never her hair done back. That for me. Not what I want you to, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, puking I would is like, a very private moment. Yeah, I would just... be like, can you just give me a hair tie? <laughs> okay, so they knock on the door. Uh, the fiancé knocks on the door. Nothing happens. Still, the door didn't open. Um, he starts getting very, very bad feeling. He goes down to the desk. He gets a key. They go up, the staff goes up, gets in the room. There was no sign of her purse. The magazine that she was going to get was right where it was when she left it. She was completely gone. No trace of Karen. No sign of a struggle. No sign of a struggle. She was gone. And this was in front of 200 people. Gone. Completely gone. Hmm. It was freezing outside, and all she was wearing was blue jeans, you know, and a shirt. And she had, like, a, a light jacket on and boots. Mm-hmm. They thought she may have went out and partied and stuff. I mean, she's 23, you know. She may have saw some physicians at a networking event. Yeah, I'll have some drinks with you. But she never came back at all. Ever. Ever. That was in January. What was that, January 5th? Mm-hmm. Nine, no, January 11th, 1975. That was January 11th. No sign of her. She's gone. The The world just zips up, zips open, and swallows you whole. On February 18th... Like my car keys. Yeah. On February 18th, a recreational employee working along the Owl Creek Road, a few miles, this is a few miles down from Wildwood Inn, noticed a flight of squawking birds that were circling something, a snowbank. Mm. There she was. What remained of Karen Campbell's nude body lay there in the snow. Oh, no. Snow stained crimson with her blood. So if that was a month later and the snow was stained with her blood, did he keep her? 
for that time period? Or did he dispose of her that same... Like, because if he disposed of her that same day, wouldn't, like... He just threw her on the... Here, let me turn back to it. You can read it. He just threw her out on the side of the street, on the road. Yeah, I know, but, like... Maybe it's just because it was that cold. I mean, it does indicate that, like, there was no precipitation precipitation or anything like that. Here. Yeah. That would have wiped away Here the blood. Pathologist Dr. Donald Clark performed a post-mortem examination on the body that dental records verified was Karen's. She had died of repeated blunt instrument blows to her skull and had, in addition, suffered deep cuts from a sharp weapon. A knife? An axe? There was not enough tissue left in the neck area to say whether she had been strangled, but her hyoid bone had been cracked. Oh my goodness. It was much too late to tell if she had been subjected to a sexual attack, but the nude condition of the body pointed to a rape as a strong motive. Wow. So Ted Bundy wasn't just a Washington and Utah kind of man. He also did Colorado and one in Oregon that we know of. So was he just trying to like dabble in other places so he he wouldn't get caught? Exactly, because he needed that bloodlust, that satiation that you can't get if you're killing everyone on the same street. Like He had to jump states, you know. And when the detectives actually question him, because now, now... they're starting to get wind. Okay, you have Ann Rule calling, leaving his name. You have his girlfriend. At what point are they calling to start leaving the name? Like, at what point are people starting to connect the dots that this is the Ted? When he moved to Utah. Oh, okay. He, yeah, so pretty... people were calling Utah police and saying, okay. listen, like, this, you need to look at this guy. I mean, there was three or at least four people that had called and specifically said his name to look at him. And they did. And they went into his home and they searched after this. They didn't find anything of evidence, but they did find a Colorado brochure, which means you could have been in Colorado. But he Ted Bunny always has an excuse for anything. Oh, yeah. My friend left that there last time he was here. He was traveling through Colorado. He always has an excuse. So it's we're actually still in a very short time frame. Yeah. So he like starts killing people or that we know of in Washington in 74. Yeah. And we're in early 75, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This something about Ted and his psyche like something broke is not yeah. right and Very and now we're going to almost accelerate. That's why I wanted to get all these timelines right because it accelerates so. at a very alarming rate. This is a very big turning point. We have around Salt Lake City, a lady named Carol DeRanch, which you'll hear from her because she was a survivor, which means it's a huge turning point. Oh, because she could identify him. Exactly. Okay. Carol DeRanch loved to shop. Well, I shouldn't say that. Every woman loves to shop. Eh, Debatable. I love to shop. I love it. But she was in this little strip mall. It's almost like a Tanger Atlas out here. Fashion mall near Salt Lake City, Utah. There's this one store that she always goes to. But she wasn't just there for that store. She was going to browse. Mm-hmm. So she probably spent hours browsing. Yeah. Plus she just drives brand new Camaro that she got. I mean, she's a hard worker. She got a brand new Camaro. She wanted to get something for the weekend, something to fit tight. So anyway, she's walking through the mall, walking through the mall, and a, a man approaches her. And he looks like a cop. He's got a mustache on. And I mean, I shouldn't say mustache? mustache on. I mean, he has a mustache. Oh, okay. It was real. Yeah. He has hair. But no, Ted Bundy is known to wear fake mustaches. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, I were should... they like fake mustaches, but were they made of human hair, like high quality? Yes. And in fact, I should throw this in here. Hmm. They call him like a chameleon. chameleon. He's got a, a chameleon. He's got a face that can easily be. I mean, if he brushes his hair this way, he looks completely different. But when he was working for the gubernatorial campaign with the Republicans, remember, they paid him to spy on the Democrats. Oh, yeah. So he had to use fake mustaches. Oh. Yeah. So the, he got the knowledge from there. Is that Master of disguise. Master of disguise. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. He walks up. Well, I shouldn't say he because I'm not talking about Ted Bundy. I'm talking about Officer Roseland. Hmm. Officer Roseland walks up to Carol Durant. She's she's got her shopping bag. Excuse me, miss. One second. I need to talk to you. We had a burglary. Someone attempted to break into your car and she's freaking out. I just bought this car. Yada, yada, yada. Did they slash the seats? I'd be pissed. Personally, I had my Jeep slashed three times. That's yeah. After that, I just stopped leaving the top off of it. And like, you can steal whatever. Just don't slash the fucking top. I feel like if I, like, I kind of want a Jeep, but I feel like I would not put, like, the soft top on it. I feel yeah. like I would leave the hard top on and just put it back on after I... Yeah. So she's all freaking out. Yeah, come on, let's go. She goes out to her car. He doesn't just walk over to her car. He says, all right, where's your car? And she points to it. It's a Camaro. A little green Camaro. They walk over there, and she thought that was kind of weird. Cause yeah, because, like... would you know my yeah. car? And she thought it was kind of weird, so she was like, I need to see your ID. And he flashes a little badge. Mm-hmm. And he's got handcuffs with him because he's a serial killer. <laughs> True. Yeah. He, he does flash a little badge. She can't read anything. Right. But they walk towards the car, and she's looking in the window like, this. the windows aren't broken. There's nothing. Like, all my bags are in the back. Like, are you sure there's the right car? I mean, I mean, are you sure they tried to break into my car? That's what she said. Yeah. Well, do you think he got that badge from his security officer gig? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, Jen. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Good point. Officer Roseland, there's nothing stolen here. It's fine. And then Mr. Roseland says it was an attempted break in. Mm -hmm. And I would I need you to come file a police report down at the station. We have the perp down there. My partner's got him down there already. So he takes her and she's at this time, she kind of believes he's a cop. Yeah. Although sure. doesn't really look like cop, but whatever. He's, he's good enough. He's cute too. Yeah. And he's Zach. It's Zach Efron. Yeah. You know, without his highlights, Jen. Yeah. Zach Efron from Baywatch that looks like a cop. All right. <laughs> now Jen's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> they walk around. I just wish he wasn't like 5'8. It's so disappointing. Well. I mean, I guess not. I if you're, also if think you're like, he's like, he's too ripped. It's just, it's too much. Yeah, you need a, something like this, Jen. A dad bod? Yeah. I'm just saying, it's just like a little too intense. Officer Rosalind takes Carol Durant through the back alley. They knock on a door. It's like his old side door. You know, later she would find out that's the back door of a laundry, Mm. a coin laundry. Oh, how nice. (laughs) Yeah. And he wakes for a second. Uh, He he must be interrogating the perp right now. I need to take you down to the station and we can fill this police report out while he's doing that. Mm -hmm. So he points over to his car, which is the bug. His VW 
yeah. golden bug. And she's like, wait, are you sure you're a cop? <laughs> are you sure yeah. you're yeah. a cop? I think so. So she gets... They gave me this badge. <laughs> so she tries to get out of it. It was only four ninety nine at Party City. <laughs> she tries to get out of it, and th- there's no, nothing wrong with my car. It's just this... But he insists, I need you to fill out a police report. This is national security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she gets in the car and he speeds off in the bug and they're going the opposite way of the police station. And then she starts freaking out. She's like, what the shit is this? He pulls the car over like into this little middle school. And then immediately he just pops her right in the head and starts beating her. And she's screaming her ass off. And then he pulls a gun out and is like, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'll blow your head off right now. This is Ted Bundy doing this. And you know what she does? What? She says, fuck you, I'm going to die anyway. And she starts beating the shit out of Good old Bundy, her. man. She just beats Damn. the shit out of Bundy. Yeah, he, he reaches over, he gets one handcuff on, the other one's dangling. And she, she almost goes for the door, but then she turns back around and another couple whacks at him. <laughs> Then she gets the door open barely. She falls out. She runs. And there's this on the highway that's coming down. This little old couple in this little Oldsmobile. Going literally like 80. Can't even see. 80? Yeah. That's like really fast. No, no. They, no, they're, they're 80 like years 80. old. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And the grandma's like, look, look at that, Henry. <laughs> Henry, look. There, there's a girl, Henry. And then he's like going like 15 and he's slamming on brakes. I'm going to hit her. Anyway, she jumps in and she's like, go, go, go. And of course, like he probably drives a little faster than like, this time. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets away. Good for her. Yeah. So now the shit's hitting the fan. Now things aren't working out too well for Ted Bundy. She knows what he looks like. She knows what he looks like. I just can't believe how short of a time frame. Mm-hmm. I thought it. I thought he was killing over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. As soon as he moves to Utah to go to law school, police find the skulls of Linda and Healy. Remember the girl that was in the basement room mm-hmm. yep. of the sorority house? Brenda Ball and Rancourt, Susan Rancourt, near Taylor Mountain in Washington. They were found by a hunter. This is Ted's graveyard. Hmm. And what's weird about it, is only the heads are found. Oh, dear. Which is another story altogether. Because there should be other bones. Right. But apparently, Ted is cutting off the heads and making a graveyard. Now, he... I didn't know. He grew up around Taylor Mountain. He knows Taylor Mountain better than anyone else. He used to walk all the trails... He knows everywhere in Taylor Mountain. He basically set up a shrine of his victims' heads in Taylor Mountain. This is stuff you don't know about Ted Bundy. Yeah, this is real Ted Bundy. Yeah, this is real fucking Ted Bundy. This is real Ted Bundy that you don't see Zac Efron doing. August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-five. So a month after they find the skulls. Now they're starting to connect. Now they don't have evidence yet. Because he doesn't leave evidence. Mm-hmm. Because he takes well, the bodies. I mean, he times. might. They just don't have the technology. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he takes the bodies. And the witnesses that even get raped, the ones that survive, they still can't see his face because he make, he has those pantyhose masks. Oh. You know what I'm saying? 
And in fact, on August 16, 1978, he was arrested because he was driving his bug. It was two in the morning. It was going through Utah in a little suburban neighborhood where this cop was sitting there. He's a part of the neighborhood. And he's like, I ain't never damn seen that bug. I ain't never in my damn life seen that bug driving that damn slow in this neighborhood. This, this ain't a neighborhood that you get lost in mm-hmm. or you cruise around in. Mm-hmm. There's something with this. He flashes lights just to get the the uh, plate. license plate number. Flashes them. Ted Bundy gets scared. He turn, Ted Bundy turns his lights off. That's weird. And he floors it. Now he's in a high-speed chase with a cop. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. Not a good idea. Okay. Just be cool, man. This is August 16th, 1975. He's in a high-speed chase. Runs two stop signs. He finally pulls over. And what does he do? Uh, the cop gets out at gunpoint. In 2020 hindsight, he should have shot him 17 times in the neck. Mm. You well, know? Yeah. But that doesn't always work like that. Ted Bundy also gets out of the car. Uh-oh. And says, I, I I must be lost. I don't know. I, I was at a drive-in movie oh and God. I, you know, he was he was doing his thing. Mm-hmm. He was doing his thing that he knows how to do, yep. which is redirect, mm-hmm. manipulate, manipulate. And by the time they know it, they like Ted. And no, he was just at a movie and he got lost. So he is found with possession of burglary tools. Let me show you. These are all the things that he found, the cop found. Oh. I'm putting a uh, photo of the burglary tools on talkmer.com. Our Supremos can see it. He has a mask, a ski mask, but, you know, he can explain that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's cold. It's cold as fuck. He's got a flashlight. I mean, doesn't everyone? What if your tire goes flat? Yeah. He's got trash bags. Well, there's dead deer. Um, he's got a duffel bag, yes, to hold all the shit. He's got nylon ropes, well, to tie down a boat, okay? He's got a pantyhose mask, Uh, extra protection from the wind, made out of real ladies' panties, you know? They look at that, and they're like, that's a burglary kit. Yeah. And Ted, being a law school man, argues against it. That's not a damn burglary kit. Come on, you gotta be kidding me. Now, I... This time, the cops don't want to let him go, but they know Ted is smart. They know they don't actually yeah, have him with are. anything. They also know that he looks exactly like the description that Carol DeRanche gave of his attacker. And all this other press is coming down from Washington about that this guy might be connected. So they got to keep him in prison. Right. They if they out can. How. Yeah. So Carol Ranch is called or yeah, Carol DeRanch is called to verify that this is her attacker. Mm. And she does. And I I showed you guys the lineup last time. Mm-hmm. And the lineup is in Talk Murder. It's one of the f- most famous pictures of Ted Bundy. Go to Talk Murder to see it. This is the lineup of Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy is second from the right. Now, when he went to the lineup, the police in charge of the lineup were so shocked because Ted Bundy looked completely freaking different. Completely. Than he did 20 minutes ago. He had a, a skill to change subtle things to make himself look like a completely different person. Mm. 
So in this picture, he's got his he's wearing like a turtleneck. His he's wearing his khakis belted kind of up high. His hair's parted to the side and combed over, and he's like kind of standing in like almost like a nerdy way. Like yeah. his shoulders are up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he'll change his whole body structure and everything. He'll shave off his mustache. He'll part his hair. He'll make his eyes crooked or whatever he's got to do. I mean, he's very he's very mm-hmm. good at what he does. Now, all the other people in this lineup are police officers because everyone that was scheduled for the lineup that looked like the Ted Bundy from 10 minutes ago don't look like the Ted Bundy mm. from now. So later in the defense, Ted, as Ted Bundy, you'll see, represents himself as a defense lawyer, argues that this lineup is bullshit because it's all cops. And those cops may have had contact with Carol Durant. It's it's ineffective. This lineup should be thrown out. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But it, luckily, was it? it was not. Luckily, the judge did throw Bundy in prison on August sixteenth. She identifies Carol Durant. Comes down there and identifies him in a lineup. Now she's getting all kinds of shit from her friends and family. This guy didn't do it. Are, Carol, are you sure? Like, we're not doubting you, but are you sure? I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a a pre-law student. He's got a psychology major. I mean, he just doesn't seem to fit the bill. Are you sure? Are you 100%? Even her friends. Mm -hmm. And luckily, she stuck to her guns. And when she was in that courtroom and they said, is the man sitting here today that attacked you? She pointed right at him. Even though the entire time, and they got photos of this too, the entire time in that courtroom, Ted Bundy was giving her a death stare. Hmm. Kind of a stare of like... If I get out of here, I will fucking yeah, kill you. Yeah, I'll fucking... Yeah, you'll be, you'll be next. For sure. For time. sure. But she still stuck to her guns and pointed at him. He's found guilty. He represents himself and he tries to... He tries to throw the whole thing out, but he's sentenced to one to 15 years. Now, this isn't a jury trial. It's a trial, just one judge. This lineup is bullshit. They don't have anything on me. You have no proof. And he was decrediting Carol Durant. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I didn't say is after the Carol Durant case, which they don't even know yet. And I'm going to throw this in there. If I can just throw something in there Mm -hmm. real quick. Go ahead. Because Ted Bundy isn't going to be like, well, I screwed this one up. Carol Durant got away. I guess I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch TV. After Carol Durant jumped out of that VW bug, he drove to the local high school. They were doing a high school play. And that's when he got his another victim. Oh, baby. Yeah. One of the students. No. One of the students that was in the play. And the drama teacher... He tried to get the drama teacher. He goes in back. He acts like he's working in the play. I mean, who the fuck does this? Who just goes into a high school, acts like you're working on the sets? Well, he basically went up straight to the drama teacher and was like, "Um, excuse me, I need some help with my car. Can you come out? He didn't say what was wrong with it. He was just like, can you come out here? He's basically desperate. This is him needing his fix. Mm. She found that very alarming. Yeah. And then next thing you know, one of the high school girls completely Gone. missing. Okay, so what was the sentencing for 
her? His sentencing is one to 15 years. Now, he ain't going to stay in there very long. But he, they didn't determine what it actually would be? Yeah, it was one to 15 years. They haven't determined he hadn't actually got sentenced yet. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, But Thank you. the Colorado news came down. Because they found hairs in Ted Bundy's Volkswagen. Remember mm-hmm. Karen yep. Campbell yep. from the hotel? Yep, they sure found do. some hairs. Her hair. Mm-hmm. Plus they found that map in the, his room. The Colorado thing? Colorado thing. That's why this book is so amazing. Because you go through Ted's life as you're going through Ann Rule's life too. Because the whole time it goes through Ann Rule. At the beginning, believing, 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 believing to then just like, I don't know if I can believe anymore. She goes through this whole battle in her head. Mm-hmm. like, I want to believe. And she's caught into this mm. emotional bullshit spider web that Ted Bundy is so good at spinning. Mm-hmm. Is Has she already called him in at this point? She, yeah, she had called him in. Before the Carol Durant thing? Before, yeah. After mm-hmm. he moved to Utah. The Carol Durant was, that attempt was November 8th, 1974. Hours later, at the high school, he abducts Debbie Kent, Mm. which is a high school student, and kills her. And she's never seen again. June 30th, 1976, age 29, Ted Bundy is sentenced to 1 to 15 years in prison. That's June 30th. October 22nd, a few months later, FBI files murder charges against Bundy because they were trying to keep him in jail. Right. They, they didn't say, I don't care if right. you put one year to a billion years, just keep him in jail. So don't let him bail out and keep him in jail so we can add on more charges. Right. Okay. October 22nd, 1976, a few months later, FBI, they filed murder charges against him in the murders of Debbie Smith, which we didn't even talk about, and Karen Campbell, the one in <coughs> Colorado. Hairs were found in the Volkswagen. Hairs were... <laughs> that is how they would say yeah, it in Germany. I know. Hairs were found in the Volkswagen. Hairs were found in his Volkswagen. God damn it. Volkswagen. <laughs> Hairs... Volkswagen. <laughs> A Volkswagen. Hairs were found in his Volkswagen and on his crowbar. So his M.O. Uh, was yeah. bow in the head. That's, in the head. That's the smoking gun, if you will. Yeah. Okay. April 1977. He is still in prison. Now he is age 30. He is transferred to the Garfield County Jail in Colorado to stand trial for the murder of Karen Campbell. But guess what? What? He asked the judge if he can defend himself, which means he gets to cross-examine the witnesses. Right. And all that stuff. Oh... That's yeah. Awful. Yeah. When you defend yourself and he's a, he's a lawman, so he can basically say, oh, my the defense that was provided, uh, they're inadequate. They, they want to see me in jail. And there's, you know, I got to do this myself. So when you're defending yourself. As a defender, you don't walk into the courtroom all shackled up like a prisoner. Right. You are a prisoner. But you don't walk in all shackled up because you're also. Your defender, your your attorney. That reminds reminiscent of an episode of Law and Order SVU, where um, after Olivia Benson's um, character, after well, Mariska Haggerty, Hag, Hagger, I always struggle with her name. Mariska 
Um, after Olivia Benson, um, she was attacked and she defended herself and she like injured the guy that was attacking her and he was charged and he was defending himself and he was like cross-examining her. I don't know. That's mm. what stuck out in my head. Any SVU fans, if you can. I used to love that show. Elaborate. You might know what I'm talking about. He's at the courthouse. It takes a few months for the trial, but he's up in the library. He gets to use the library because he's defending himself. He has to know the law. Right. He needs to be prepared for his case. But when he's up in the library, he's got to have a guard with him at the whole time. And the whole time, people were thinking he was going to run. It was like, okay, this guy is going to try to make an escape. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, there one day right before he goes in before the judge to defend himself and no one ever took blame for this. But whoever the guard was, was not inside the room with Bundy. Oh, I remember. He let him study by himself because, number one, everyone trusted this guy. Even after all this shit came out, even I'm mm-hmm. I still want to trust him. And I'm almost done with the book. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's so non, you can't even put it together that he would do that. I know. I know. But the guard let him in by himself. And he, because honestly, Ted probably talked him into it for some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And he had no shackles on. And he had no. So what? He just jumped out the window? He opens the window and jumps out. Mm. And witnesses said. Oh, he's in Aspen, Colorado. Witnesses said they saw, well, actually, there was a woman walking by on the street, and she says this guy opened his second-story window of a courthouse. This is like a 24-foot drop. It's a big drop. Yeah. And she just watches him. Shh. Plop. Plop his ass down. Did he break his legs or anything? <laughs> he didn't break his legs, but he, he injured his ankle real bad. I mean, that's a big drop. Yeah. She runs in there to the courtroom and was like, um, someone just jumped out the window. On the street outside, a woman passing by was startled to see a figure dressed in tans and browns suddenly leap from a window above her. She watched as the man fell, got to his feet and ran, limping off down the street. Puzzled, she started after him for a few moments before entering the courthouse and heading for the sheriff's office. Her first question galvanize the officers on duty and into action is it normal for people to jump out of the windows around here and they run up to the library he ain't there and they lost him and it's not like ted was just thinking oh just one day i'm just gonna yeah let me try this this might work no he's been planning this for months yeah he knows where he's going Mm. the cops don't they set up roadblocks they set up dogs in all the places he's not going to go because he knows they're setting up there. He goes towards the mountains, Aspen Mountains. That's where he goes. He's a free man. He finds a cabin, and that time is freezing in Aspen. And he's literally in the mountains. And in fact, there's this really funny picture that I saw. Hitchhikers going through Aspen, and I'll put a picture up. People didn't hitchhike in the 70s, John. Yeah. People hitchhiking in aspen this is so funny i gotta find this picture i'll put the picture on talk murder it's this guy he's got a beard he's a hitchhiker and instead of a sign saying you know i need to lift uh wherever santa cruz 
his sign says, I'm not Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because everyone knows Ted Bundy had escaped. Jeez. Yeah. Could you imagine if that was Ted Bundy? Holding up a sign that says, I'm, I'm not, not Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy. Yeah. 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 That is something that he would do. Yeah. How long was he? Well, he only made it a few weeks. He that's was. Still, I mean, that's yeah. good. I mean, it was yeah. permanent. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness it wasn't permanent. He only made it a few weeks, and then he's back in prison, and he gets executed. So there's no need for a part three. Mm, but there is. Okay. So obviously, the cops, the police, they were making fun of him. The whole nation was like, "You guys are idiots." To let this guy out. Well, they didn't let him out, but they let him escape. They let him yeah. escape. Yeah. So the next cops, the next prison, they'll do a better job. Eh. Wait, <laughs> did he escape more than once? He is in Aspen, Colorado. He's in the mountains. He's trying to travel south, I believe. But the weather is so bad and his ankle is so messed up and there's no food that he eventually back. He makes a full circle back to the cabin he was in and the cabin They were actually watching the cabin Mm -hmm. because they noticed someone was in there scavenging for food. So the the cops came and got him. All right, here's a newspaper article I'm reading. Ted Bundy escapes from Aspen hearing. Theodore Bundy charged with the 1975 slaying of a Michigan nurse, the Carol Carol Campbell, today escaped from a second floor window in Pitkin County Courthouse during a break in his penitentiary trial proceedings. Police said a search was launched throughout the Mount the mountainous resort community for Bundy, who was believed to be on foot. Citizens reported sighting Bundy near a plush condominium complex. According to a sheriff's spokesman, the escape was reported by a passerby who said, someone just jumped out of the window. Is that normal? Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> that would totally be me if I ever said, yeah. if I ever saw something like that. Yeah. Is this is this something that's supposed to happen? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't seem right, but... I just wanted to say something just in case. See something? Say something. He actually called Ann Roll on the evening of June 7th, but didn't answer the phone. Hmm. And then she finally says, Ted? Ted, is that you? Now, even Ann Roll at this time states in her book that she doesn't believe that he is the killer. She just believes he was stressed. What? So, yeah. Re- referring to, like, his escape? Yes. And uh, when you said that he called her, he called her when he was escaped? Yeah. Got it. So, yeah. So, Ann Rule is like the mother figure to Ted Bundy, you know? And she doesn't want to even believe it now after the escape. Mm-hmm. It's 2 a.m. Monday, June 13th. There were two officers patrolling the streets of Aspen. They didn't think he'd be in Aspen. They were heading east, and they noticed this Cadillac. And they couldn't really see the driver, but they thought he was drunk because he's swerving all over the place. Mm. He was either drunk or he had a bad ankle. Mm. Yeah. They pull him over. Pitkin County deputies Gene Flat and Maureen Higgins were patrolling the streets of Aspen, headed in an easterly direction that early morning when their attention was drawn to a Cadillac coming toward them. The driver appeared drunk. The car was wavering all over the road. They weren't even thinking of Ted Bundy as they turned the corner and followed the Cadillac. They expected to find a drunk driver inside. Actually, Ted was cold sober, but his reflexes were dulled by exhaustion and he couldn't control the Cadillac. The patrol car pulled up alongside the fishtailing Cadillac and signaled it to pull over. Gene Flat walked over to the driver's side in the car and looked in. 
The man wore glasses and had a banded plaster over his nose, but Flat recognized him. It was Ted Bundy, who was about to be captured only blocks from where he escaped. Mm. Ted shrugged and smiled thinly as Flat said, Hello, Ted. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So he's back in prison, and the story is over. Wrong. So once Ted escaped the first time, he became a local hero. In fact, one restaurant offered Bundy burgers. Hmm. And one Mexican restaurant offered a Bundy cocktail, which was tequila, rum, and two jumping beans. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now Ted is 31 years old. It's December 30th, 1977. He is in the Garfield County Jail in Colorado, and the warden there says, Yeah. You guys fucked up, didn't you? Letting him escape like that. You dumbasses. I got him locked down so tight. They, You know what they did? Like Hannibal Lecter? They had, no, he had a cell all by himself. But instead of one lock, you know, the lock with the key. It, yeah, it had the lock with the key held by one guard. Another guard had to come up, completely different guard, and do a padlock, mm-hmm. release a padlock. He had to code for that. And then even another guard had to come up and release another padlock. We got three locks on him. How the hell is he going anywhere? He ain't going nowhere, no how, no soon. That's what he said. And would you damn believe it? Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. Now, he's doing his own defense again. Mm-hmm. And was granted. he was granted a lot of things. Like, he would say, the food here is awful. You know, I'm trying to defend myself. I need at least three meals a day, and lunch is really important. And he would get all these things. And then he started complaining about the food, so he stopped eating the food. And he lost a lot of weight. It was like in his defense. It was like, this is my defense. I'm losing weight. Look, I'm like 120 pounds. Literally Zac Efron right now. I'm literally Zac Efron. As a 12-year-old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing all this weight because the food's bad. That's what he was saying. The months and months and months it took to prepare his trial, he wasn't even eating. Okay? Mm. December 30th, 1977. Mm-hmm. So remember, it was June, th- June 7th, 1977, when he escaped the Pitkin County Law Library in Colorado. Still working on his case by himself. A few months later, first of the new year, everyone's about to party. About to be 1978. And he's down to 130 pounds, 120. He looks like a, a rail, which is great because for the past few months, he's been slowly sawing above a light fixture with a hacksaw that he got from one of the inmates. Let me show you the light fixture. How did they, how did they get their hands on a hacksaw? He also had a map. Of the jail system. So he wasn't like, the food must not have been that bad. He was just trying to lose weight so he could fit through a hole somewhere. There you go. The food was actually great. He just needed a ruse to say, hey, the food's shitty. I can't eat. Okay, go talk murder to see this. You got to see it. Our Taco Supremos. We'll see it. It's really cool. Oh, my gosh. That's what he fit through. Wow. Wow. It's tiny. Yeah. Now the whole the, the light bulb puts it in perspective. Yeah, yeah. But it's it ba- a light bulb basically almost doesn't fit into the hole, and he squeezed through that. Now here's what happened: he took a hacksaw 
And for months, while the other prisoners were taking showers, because that's when it's loudest, mm-hmm. you know, even when they drop the soap. He Especially was cutting, when they drop the soap. He was cutting with a hacksaw so precisely, and this is the thing, so precisely cutting it that the panel just fit right back in it. Now, the electricians have been on call to fix this. In fact, they were just days out from coming. So he had planned the date perfect. He slid up in there and he did it a couple of times. And in fact, a lot, once he escaped, a lot of the uh, jailmates were like, there's this guy crawling in the ceiling. I'll like literally hear him every night. Mm-hmm. And no one said anything. No one even knew he was doing this. And then he slides up. He finally founds a way out, which was like in a jail apartment for like one of the, not the warden, but like one like of the, the assistant guard, yeah. warden. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a little apartment. He waited till he could see him down there. He waited for him and his wife to go out to dinner. And he thought it was set up. He thought as soon as he jumps down, he was paranoid. He's going to get shot. He crawls out, crawls through this little thing, crawls like a little rat, <laughs> jumps down. And he's what prisoners called, quote, double dressed, which means he throws off his prisoner's outfit and he's got civilian clothes on. Where do you get the civilian yeah, clothes? For real. He, where do you get the hacksaw? Yeah. You know? And guess what he does then? Walks out. Walks out the front door. He walks out the fucking front door. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Who, how many fucking people got fired for this? I don't know. And this time... It, they're not going to be so lucky mm-hmm. because he travels and he goes somewhere that no one would think he goes to. Florida? Florida. He goes to Florida. Jen, you were right. I know. He goes to Florida. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of Talk Murder to Me as we cover part two of Ted Bundy. Our first time we need to do a three-parter is uh, based on this killer, so we can't wait to get round three in and release it soon. This is the limbo moment when you guys are like, damn it, how is this going to go? <laughs> yep, literally. <laughs> I think that you'd live for that, though. I think you'd love go? to be the puppet master and decide. How it's yep. coming up. He's getting a good move. Oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Fuck. Hold on, let me try to bring it back. Oh, you are such a manipulator. I know. You know that's something that fucking Ted Bundy would say, right? Yeah. Okay. All right.